Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter one, and we're only reading one verse, 45. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. The word of God. You may be seated. And you know, a short, a short verse means a long sermon, right? You all ready? I mean, that also goes hand in hand with who Devo is, so. Devo and long sermons, I'm sorry, long-winded. Hey, just wanna do a shout out for one of our young people here in the last week or so. One of our young people at school was told that uh, it's not okay for a boy to wear pink. Uh, and I'm very disappointed because pink is actually my favorite color. Um, so, so just so you know, anybody can wear any color they want. Happy is he who wears pink. <laughs> hey, the word happy, uh, happy is she who believes that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. The CEB translates this word as happy. In Christianese, we use the language blessed. Now, this is not to knock Pastor Ben's blessed t-shirts. If you didn't know, he makes stay blessed t-shirts. And he still has a few for sale, right? Uh, to help a poor pastor. The word blessed is a beautiful one, but it's not really one that outside of the Christianese world we know. And I love that the CB translates it as happy because if you go to the Greek, the word blessed and happiness can be interchangeable. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Happy. Makes me think of when we got the good news that Leilani is pregnant with our first child. Here is a picture of the two of us when we found out. Yes, I know, I've got the Benjamin Button thing. I haven't aged a year. <laughs> this is the moment when we took the pregnancy test and it was positive. And this is in the days where having a positive test is great. Um, <laughs> um, so we were happy with this news, and we were happy with this news because we planned for this news. At some point, we decided that we wanted to have kids, stop the birth control, and we had a baby. And so when we took that test, we were looking forward to it. We had joy, we wanted to be parents. Leilani wanted to be pregnant. And at the positive results of our pregnancy test, we were happy. Happy are they, the parents who give birth. Well, the mom who gives birth. There was nothing surprising about this because we had planned for it. There was joy, yes, and a little bit of surprise maybe at the moment, but it was planned. And here in the Gospel of Luke, we open with a virgin, with Mary, with a teenager, with a not father, Joseph. And it is called the Annunciation. Just like we announced to our parents first and then to the world that we will have a child. In this case, God comes to Mary and says, you will have a child. And we see 
that for Mary, this is not perhaps a happy experience. Because you see, God's annunciation in the Gospel of Luke and the other Gospels is the disruptive call of God. When we think about making announcements, we think about happiness. It's often like in Christmas plays, many girls would like to be Mary. Look at that cute picture. I want to be Mary. Mary often is reserved for the popular kid or the one who stands out or by worldly standards is the pretty one or something like that. But our Christmas plays get it wrong because the question is, did Mary really want to be Mary in this nativity scene? <laughs> Probably not. And so we dive into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 and 28 says the following, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Mary was not happy by the news that God brought to her. She was bewildered. She was perplexed. Depending on what your translation uh, you use, it says that Mary was in the NRSV much perplexed. In the NIV, she was greatly troubled. The message says she was thoroughly shaken. And the NLT says she was confused and disturbed. Mary was not happy. Mary was perplexed. Note, by the way, that Mary is not troubled by a virgin birth because the angel did not tell her about this yet. In fact, Mary interjects the angel while the angel is bringing good news. Mary interjects. Mary is troubled because she cannot believe this impossible possibility that she is favored. Because she says, what kind of greeting is this? And Gabriel said, greetings to you, favored one. She's not worried about a virgin birth yet because that has not been announced. She's perplexed by this greeting. Me? Who am I that I am favored? I am favored? How can this be? She knows her place and this should not be happening. She knows she's a she. She's a she. She's a teenager. She's a peasant. How can this be? But the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Twice. So as if to remind her, what I said first, how could this? yes, you are favored. God says to Mary, you are my favored one. Grace, favor comes first and then comes everything else. The story of the gospel begins with God's favor first and foremost, and then faith and the rest comes. I like how Nadia Boltz-Weber puts it. She says the following, 
When we think about the Annunciation, this scene between the angel Gabriel and Mary, we think of the faith it took for her to believe that she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and that her son, the illegitimate child of an insignificant girl, really would have the throne and a kingdom. But I wonder, she says, I wonder if I had been in her place, which would be harder for me to believe? The part about a virgin giving birth to a king or the part where the angel said, I was favored. I mean, if an angel came to me and said, greetings, favored one, I'd be like, you got the wrong girl. But here's where Mary had some real chops. She heard outrageous things from an angel and she didn't say, hmm, let me see if I can get any better offers. She didn't say, let me get back with you on that. She said, she heard outrageous things from the angel and she said, let it be with me according to your word. Mary trusted the word from the angel, telling her that she was indeed favored. And maybe that trust is what made her favored. Many of us can probably stop the sermon right here and be done. I'm not going to. God says to you and me, you are favored. It is no small thing to be regarded, to be favored, especially when you are exceedingly aware that you should not be favored. And maybe some of you here today need to hear these words, you are favored. And you are favored by God. To hear that in the middle of all that what Christmas means for you this season, God favors you. And out of that favor, God is looking to bring new possibilities in your life. But we continue. Verse 31. The angel says, And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will uh, give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Annunciation is the disruptive call of God. Annunciation is the disruptive call of God. Disruptive to Mary and her own body, a pregnancy earlier than what she perhaps had planned for. Disruption to her relationship with Joseph. I'm going to be pregnant, but we haven't been together. A disruptive in terms of societal norms. She's pregnant without being married. Annunciation is the disruptive call of God. And last week, Pastor Iki looked a little bit about some of the contrast between Zechariah, the priest, 
and Mary. And I just want to look at that again. Because we see Luke opening up the gospel with this contrast between two very different denunciations. You can see in the table there the contrast between Zechariah to the left and Mary to the right. The location for Zechariah's Annunciation is Jerusalem and it is priestly in the temple. For Mary, it is in Nazareth and in Galilee. Can anything good come from Galilee? The heritage, Zechariah is priestly and Mary comes from the Davidic line. The initiative, Zechariah is the one who prays, but for Mary, the initiative is a surprise by God. Action. For Zechariah, it is human conception, but for Mary, it is divine, creative, co-collaborative conception. And when we look at the character, the Bible says that Zechariah was righteous, but about Mary, it doesn't mention anything about her righteousness. Their reactions, for Zechariah, he reacted by being troubled and he was filled with fear, but for Mary, she was troubled, and rather be filled with fear, she reasoned and deliberated. She pondered. The impossibility is that Elizabeth is barren, and for Mary, she had no husband. And then the response from both of them to the Annunciation is that Zechariah says, How shall I know this? He asked for proof. But for Mary, she asked not for proof, but for clarification. How can this be? <laughs> and then the outcome we see is contrasted again. For Zechariah, it is disbelief of the promise resulting in muteness. Verse 20 says, he did not believe my words. And for Mary, we see it is not muteness, but it results in belief. And Mary finding her voice, embracing the promise, let it be with me according to your word. Annunciation it's the disruptive call of God, and how we respond to it matters. And Luke makes it clear here as he starts the gospel that the kind of response to the disruptive call of God God is looking for is not Zechariah's response, but Mary's. Mary's response is to ponder, to think about it, and believe. And so Mary put, uh, Luke puts Mary forth as the first discipleship, a disciple. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promise he made to her. Mary says yes. She says yes to God's disruptive call. Mary says yes, and by the way, this is not an easy yes like in our kids' nativity plays that we have. It is not this kind of easy yes. Mary's yes is filled with terror and risk. More like this painting of a teenager confronted by an angel. Mary says yes, a risky yes. We, in the 21st century, are far removed from the culture and context of Mary's life, by the way. Mary is a first century Jewish teenager. She is not a 21st century American adult. And that difference must be respected as we interpret this text. Mary said yes, but it was risky. In her context, Mary's consent to God's divine plan is an act of bravery. It is a revolutionary. It turns things upside down. 
As the Gospels point out, she's engaged when she becomes pregnant with a child that is not Joseph's, and her society would have seen this as shameful, and it would have negatively impacted her ability to survive. According to Matthew's Gospel, Joseph chooses to quietly call off the marriage, seeing this as an act of mercy and compassion on Mary. He could have uh, had Mary stoned as an adulteress or demand that her family punish her severely or even cast her out in the streets, which would result in Mary having very little power and resorting to underground economy of prostitution, slavery, or some other horrific thing. Mary's yes is not a nativity play yes. It is the gospel yes responding to the risky, disruptive call of God. Mary may be young, but she's not stupid. When the angels visit her and ask for her consent to carry God's son, she surely is aware of the myriad of negative consequences. Saying yes is disruptive and it carries high risk on her life. But Mary has the courage and she chooses to say yes. Mary doesn't expect to receive a divine visitation or some great task, but despite her perplexity, she says yes to new horizons that will only put her life at risk even more, but also open her to the wonders uh, that no mere mortal can fully imagine. And like the prophet Isaiah, Mary responds to God's call, here I am, I am open to your vision, your energy, your transformation in my life. Mary says yes to God's yes for all of humankind. Mary's yes, it's not an easy nativity play yes, it's the risky, disruptive call from God kind of yes. Mary faced many risk, risks when telling the angel yes, nevertheless, she persisted. She chose the risk to be a co-creator with God, and she became a prophet, a leader, and the mother of the Savior. And because of this, Luke therefore presents Mary as the first disciple, the first to hear and accept the gospel and to proclaim it. Luke holds her up as the first and model example. Mary hears the call of God and she responds. She models faith, obedience, servanthood, discipleship, and hospitality by welcoming the Son of God in her womb. Just a little more Bible study time here. You can see this profoundly in how Luke uses the word, word. Verse 37 our translations say, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is what Gabriel says, nothing will be impossible with God. Now unfortunately, most English translations mask or leave out an important word or two words that really is key theologically to this verse. There are two words that are left out of our English translations and if you look it up in Strong's Concordance, I have a picture of it up here, you will see, I don't know if you can put the picture up yet, you can see there that there are two words that are missing. Pas and rema, it is in Greek. And so we translate, for nothing will be impossible with God, but those two words left out is every and word or thing. The word for word can be translated thing, but here in the Gospel of Luke, it is word. And so if we follow Strong's Concordance for a more literal translation, in the next slide you will see that the translation can be, can be, because every word from God will not be impossible. 
or state it positively, because every word from God is possible. So the key word here for Luke is the word word, and this is the key assertion in the first usage of the word word in the gospel. It is not things, but it is rather God's word is of such power that nothing could prevent his fulfillment in the working out of God's promises. Testimony to this certainty of God's word and of the promise and its power comes in Mary's immediate response when she says, may it come to pass for me in accordance to your word. So if you look at the next slide, may it come to pass for me according to your word. And so if we put these two texts together on the next slide, you will see because every word from God is not impossible, then Mary said, here I am, servant of the Lord, let it be according to my, your word. It's unfortunate we leave those two words out. In the common tradition of Jesus' ministry, shared by the first three gospels, Mary only appears in one more scene, in Mark 3, Matthew 15, and Luke 8. And it's in that scene where Mary appears, that scene interprets the relationship of Jesus, his natural family to his disciples by having Jesus define family, not in terms of physical descendants, blood, but in terms of accepting God's word, the gospel. So in Luke chapter eight, we find the following. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him his biological family, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. When in the Annunciation, Luke reports Mary's answer, let it be with me according to your work, he's describing not only one who is consenting to be the physical mother of Jesus, but also uh, a very important one who meets Jesus in the criteria for what it means to be a disciple, hearing the word and doing the word. And then later in Luke, during Jesus' public ministry, a woman in the crowd will shout out a blessing of praise to Jesus Blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed, uh, nursed you. However, Jesus reacted to that praise with the same instinct that he showed in this previous scene about the relationship between biology and faith. Luke 11 says the following. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you, Jesus. And Jesus replied, "Rather, Blessed rather are those who... Hear the word of God and obey it. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary's role is not passive, but participatory. She is bold. She interrupts the angel mid-sentence. She is brave. She accepts the impossible possibility of being a co-creator with God. And so we see... The scene unfolds with Mary, who is not asking for this, but God announces this to Mary, and Mary is open to it. She ponders it. She thinks about it. She then says, yes, and now we find, unlike Zechariah, who is muted, Mary finds her voice. She goes to visit Elizabeth, 
And the Spirit comes upon Elizabeth, and she sings this beautiful, beautiful hymn called the Magnificat, where we now see Mary has experienced and anticipates the gospel. Mary is favored. She says yes. She finds her voice, and in Luke 1.46, she says the following, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me happy, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. What a beautiful hymn. Mary, who does not expect an annunciation, receives it. She ponders, she's perplexed. She opens her heart to the disruptive, risky call of God, and she says a difficult yes. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things when they open to God's revealing in their lives and then say yes to God's vision for them in the world. Mary bursts forth in praise, sharing a dream that is more than she could previously imagine. Everything is turned upside down, just like in her life. The poor and the marginalized will receive God's blessing. They will be lifted up from obscurity to experience the fullness of God. Mary finds her voice and celebrates what God has done, exalting the lowly and the hungry, putting down the pride, the mighty and the rich. The reign of God comes whenever good news breaks, voice, uh, breaks through and people find their voice. It comes whenever a child feels accompanied, whenever a peasant girl believes that she is worthy. Good news breaks forth and salvation comes whenever the hungry are fed good things and when the rich are turned away empty-handed. The good news comes when the poor are empowered or the mighty are made to share. The world is redeemed every time an outsider is treated with reverence, an immigrant welcome, an abuse victim respected. The new world dawns when a person who has been silenced speaks or when you give light and space to a vulnerable place in your heart. Mary says yes. In this narrative, there is a radical transformation that takes place from a peasant girl to a prophet, from Mary to mother of God, from denial to discipleship. And in a very real way, this is the appropriate transition from waiting to anticipating Jesus' birth from Advent to Christmas Day. Mary's story moves all of us from observant believers to confessing apostles from who we think we are to what God has called us to be. And one more quote from Barbara Brown Taylor, who says it so beautifully. Like Mary, our choices often boil down to a yes or no. Yes, I will live this life that is being held out to me, or no, I will not. 
Yes, I will explore the unexpected turn of events, or no, I will not. You can say no to your life, but you can rest assured that no angels will trouble you ever again. But if we say yes to our lives, you can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no script or guarantees. You can agree to smuggle God into the world inside your own body. Isn't that beautiful? We are all carriers and deliverers of God, gathering and dispersing God beyond, between, and within us. God can arrive in the story of your own body. This is the power of the story during Advent. Every word of God is possible. And so in this and every season, may we, like Mary, be a home for the God who desires to dwell with us. And so I close with my favorite Advent poem that I will read every time I speak during Advent. Angel and maid, their eyes met. Unnerved, they were unnerved, both of them. She saw heaven in his face, he saw earth in hers. Yes, Mary said this word for all of us. Let us say yes, year after year, summer, fall, winter, and spring, every ordinary minute of every ordinary day, Jesus, be at home in our flesh as you were in Mary's. Amen.